On this week's episode of the Goldilocks Zone, we're talking about the Sunday Funnies, your favorite newspaper comic strips, getting answers to the tough questions like, was Hagar the Horrible really that horrible? Why were those family circus kids so darn creepy? And the ultimate question, who hated Mondays more, Garfield or Dilbert? Stick around, because we're going to get to all of your favorites coming up on the Goldilocks Zone. You're entering the Goldilocks Zone, episode number 19, recorded July 23rd, 2015. Comic Strips and the Sunday Funnies. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Goldilocks Zone. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings and I am joined, as always, by uh, the funny man himself, uh, Mr... Senior Doctor Reverend Esquire the Third, Mister Matt Mariani. How are we doing, Sean? I hate Mondays. I agree, but you want some lasagna, right? I mean, uh, and you hate always want so. some lasagna and hanging out with my pal Odie. I like to think I would be the real life version of John Arbuckle. I was just gonna say I'm pretty much the real life version of Odie. So <laughs> now we're I guess that fits. Garfield. We just need a Garfield. So, yeah, we're pretty close. We're on the lookout. Definitely. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us on the Goldilocks Zone. We appreciate you being here. Uh, we've got an exciting show for you this week. Before we get to that, I'll politely remind everybody where you can get the show. Goldilockshow.com is the website, and on SoundCloud is the best place, I think, to listen to the audio at SoundCloud.com slash Zone. And we're also on every platform you can imagine. Uh, YouTube, on Twitter, uh, at Goldilocks Show, on Facebook, Goldilocks Show. It's pretty much Goldilocks Show everywhere. Um, and, of course, available to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Overcast, Pocket Cast, basically anywhere you can get podcasts, we're there uh, as well. So be sure to subscribe and check us out. We do this show uh, hopefully weekly, sometimes sporadically, but we always hopefully have good stuff for you, the fans out there. Uh, and Matt, I am excited for this week's topic. We've critiqued a lot of media in the past. We've done movies, we've we done have. television, we've done books, we've done we've done it all. But one we've never gotten to is a classic. A, a an old print form, the comic strip. Now, now this isn't your X Men's, although they had a comic strip. It's not your Spider Man's, who also had a comic strip. Uh, maybe you should think of an example who was only a comic book. It's not comic books, right? It's not your uh, Batman. It's not. It's not your Batman. Mm, I think I Superman think he had, had a comic, comic strip. strip. Yeah, a lot of those guys at one sure. point or another had a comic strip. It's not your. Okay, maybe we should say what it is. It is those <laughs> classic Sunday newspaper strips. Now, not political cartoons. We're talking about the funny stuff. Usually syndicated, right? These are the strips that ran across the country every single week, every Sunday, you would find in your newspaper. Um, and we're going to talk about them and do our usual sort of Goldilocks zone nujitsu uh, on giving our thoughts and opinions on them. Um, and I'm certainly excited, Matt. Is there a particular strip you would like to start with this week? Um, well, I think to start, we should talk about a classic that I happen to really like to read. Uh, actually, I wanted to do a little brief introduction. Is And um, a lot of these comics we're going to be talking about on the show today uh, are some that I remember fondly from my youth. Uh, I remember sitting around reading the Sunday paper and looking at these comics and it's it's a, a simple joy that i think a lot of the youth of today are uh 
are sadly missing out on. It's kind of been replaced by, you know, the technology. Now now kids can look on uh I don't know, any any funny junk. I remember there was funnyjunk.com <laughs> was a website the kids like. It's funny. They go on the the Twitter and the MySpace there you and go. they're kind of occupied with their own uh their own friends doing funny things and or whatever they're occupied with, which is fine. It's just different. I remember growing up reading these comics and uh, laughing at them every week. So uh, reliving some of that enjoyment is going to be uh, it's going to be a treat today. Very nostalgic. I agree. Indeed. That being said, I think that the comic book, or the rather the comic strip that I would like to start out with this week is an all-time classic. Uh, I mean, I guess we probably could have picked a funnier one to start out with, but I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick a, a, a traditional classic, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Family Circle. Interesting. Family yeah. Circle. Now, Family Circle. What's What's interesting to me is that the first comic strip you picked isn't a strip. It's a single panel. That's true. I guess it depends on how you define strip. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was syndicated. It came out every week. You're right. It's, it it's, just wasn't like that traditional. I, I get what you're saying. It's not it literally like a strip, but it is. There was no linear story. Exactly. It was a single it's frame. More like a like a, like an image with a caption. It's almost like a political cartoon kind of without thing. the politics. Yeah, because you could say that it was style. more about values, values or contemporary. It was about family. things. Of course, I think it started to get a little cynical toward the end. I mean, I guess not the end because it's still being printed, but toward like when like it was still like widely relevant like when i used to read it toward the end of that time it got a little cynical about like uh i guess where where we as a society were headed yeah yeah some some panels and i think um uh speaking to that cynicism i wanted to share a uh, a little um a fun little jab I found on family circle. So, um, you know, the family circle has like the traditional like image and then it'll say a caption about that image or mm-hmm. some kind of there's, yeah, there's one. <laughs> yeah. So see, it would always have like a, a lot of like something for the kids, something for the adults as well. So this site I found is called, um, it's called, Anisha with Family Circus, or Nishi with Family Circus. So, are you familiar with the German philosopher Nishi? Sadly, I am. Yes, he's uh, he was a late nineteenth century, early twentieth century German philosopher who had this like you know, uh, early existentialist look on humanity. And I found this this uh, place on the web zone where you can go, and they were they actually t- they they randomly generate <laughs> yes, <laughs> they randomly generate pictures, <laughs> pictures of fam- actual pictures from the Family Circus comic with quotes from the the uh, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, it's uh you know that was always one of my favorite things about Family Circus was uh. It um taken the it could be taken the wrong way to an extreme degree which was always a lot of uh, which was always a lot of fun. <laughs> oh. 
especially because the images are really without the <laughs> caption they're nonsense they really yes. are and that's what this i think that's what this uh this website generator plays on plays on that yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's fun you can google it and find it yeah just uh family circus frederick nishi quotes i always thought it was pronounced nisha i guess that's like the that sound seemed to me like the german pronunciation but everybody says nishi i wouldn't even begin to guess how yeah, to pronounce that. I yeah so that was uh that's uh family circus and I, i've also seen similar things where they put really uh raunchy captions under it which i won't share here on the show ah. but suffice to say you can google <laughs> them and they're quite funny okay but uh, Family Circus, uh, maybe a little background, uh, created by Bill Keen and now run by his son Jeff, uh, began in February 29th, 1960, and according to Wikipedia, is the most widely syndicated cartoon panel in the world. Now, of course, they call it here a panel, so it's probably the most syndicated single panel co- uh, comic. Um, and books containing the comic strips have sold over 13 million copies worldwide. Wow. Fun fact, it takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, I didn't know it had a setting. It didn't really need to have a setting. Mm-hmm. But all right. Yeah, I mean, I Wait, guess technically it does. Every story has th- some kind of setting. There there are, there are uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought I remembered there being, like, snow in some of the, mm-hmm. in some of the uh, cartoons. Yeah, there are. This, I don't think it snows in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's, like, a really... It's a really arid place to it be. Says, it says here, uh, sometimes the family's depicted enjoying snow at the at their home in the strip, whereas Scottsdale uh, gets very little snow. Bill Keen commented that he took scenes from his boyhood in Pennsylvania and added them to the strip. Oh, so a little, little okay. continuum. I'm glad somebody else had that same thought. It, I I wouldn't have wow. put two and two together. I've never thought about okay, Family okay. Circus for this long a period I, I, of time. I never even, I had no idea they even had a setting, but <laughs> very Thank good. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about, uh, <sighs> oh my God, they they might be making a feature film about it. What? That'd be, that'd be awful. Yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I'd think, go see it. I think, I think Family Circus is interesting because unlike m- most comic strips I can think of, they shied away from anything remotely controversial for the most part nothing political nothing economic and the art style is very simple there there's no sort of action really it's very different from a lot of other comic strips i think and and it's surprising to me that it is still in print because Mm -hmm. you would think a comic like that wouldn't apply to culture today right that's why it's applicable yeah, that's why when I when I misspoke earlier when I said toward the end, I thought I I was under the impression that the thing had run its course. But I mean, it is still around today. Yeah, still around every week. Um, you can find it in your in your uh, Sunday newspaper. But but to be fair, I think perhaps the lack of political or economic, you know, maybe the simple nature lends itself to sticking around for a long period of time. There, yeah, there's a, almost like panel. Norman Rockwell. It's kind of like a very yeah. timeless quality to it. Yeah, it's very. That's a good. That's a good analogy. It's. It is very. It's very Rockwell esque. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. very idealized picture of sort of the the American family. Um, the the biggest problem I had with Family uh, Circus is that uh, I don't think it's funny. No, it's 
it's sometimes I think clever. It's witty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Clever, witty. It makes you it makes you smirk a bit, but not definitely not laugh. And, and there is a very distinct lack of story. Now I know there's some comic yeah. strips that don't carry over week to week, but at least there is a a bold presented premise that usually the humor is based around. This is just a family making observations about the most boring <laughs> life you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it it it's kind of be like uh I guess it would just be like the Simpsons if you just beat all the humor out of it. Yeah, cuz Simpsons yeah, exactly. is very obs- it's very observational, but it's It's like you funny. castrated the Simpsons yes. and oh, you get yeah. Family Circus. That's I mean, right. you know, you have to remember the 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 kids in here are Billy, Dolly, Jeffy, and PJ. So you know, just keep that in mind. Mm. Yeah, the com the comic definitely it's uh, it lends itself to an older generation for sure. It's not like it's not like our generation's comic. It's like probably our dad's generation's comic. But I think that's why it's almost funnier today. Because it it's it seems almost like a parody. It seems almost ridiculous. Like it's so far out of normal. You're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Like, <laughs> who talks like this? And you and then you get parodies like Nietzsche and raunchy stuff and whatever. But um, I wonder if the uh, I wonder if the creators of the comic feel that same way. I think that's a good question. Um, uh, I'd be I'd be like curious. I wonder if they know if they know that their their comic is is like ultra the ultra like ultimate poster board for like wholesomeness in terms of uh comic strips especially now since um being able to publish comics on the web mm-hmm. you can say and draw pretty much anything and you can i mean if you looked at if you researched any comic strips a lot of the stuff out there is a lot a lot people get away with a lot in comic strips i'll just have yeah, to say they sure do and um but yeah, through it all, Family Circus is still that uh that that bastion of uh wholesomeness. Yeah. And yeah, kind of like Middle America 1950s, you know, purity. Yeah, I, I, there's a place for it. There, I think yeah. there's definitely a place for it. I'm surprised it's still as I thought this would have gotten much smaller over the years. Not that it would have gone away, but I think it would have gotten a little, more, a little more niche, a little more sort of cult. Yeah, and not not as continuing to run and and you know nationally and internationally, but yeah, yeah, it's still pretty contemporary. It stays with uh, a lot of trends. Yeah, mostly now it's just it it gets kind of kind of gripey though. If you read it enough, it's it's almost like they they're oh they're complaining about kids on their cell phones again. Look at that! Oh, they're complaining yeah. about smartphones now. It's like yeah, that's why that's why I said earlier it was it's it, it's kind of like. Uh, it's almost like listening to your grandpa rant about kids that's ex- today. It's exactly what it is. It's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Wow. So the family so circus. There you family go. circus. Get it in a uh, in a newspaper near you. What do we got next? What John? do we got next, Matt? Um, I would like to talk about the the greatest uh uh businessman of all time. A man Ooh. who revolutionized uh, management Trump. synergy. No, I'm talking about Dilbert. <laughs> Dilbert, of Dilbert. Course. Vote of, Dilbert. Of course. Mm. The uh, comic strip illustrated by Scott Adams, published first in 1989 uh, and still running to this day, um, of course, featuring the main character of 
Dilbert as the white-collar sort of office worker and all the shenanigans that go on in his office. Um, Dilbert appears online and in 2,000 newspapers worldwide in 65 countries and in 25 languages. Wow. Um, the strip has spawned several books, an animated television series, a video game, and hundreds of merchandise items, says Wikipedia. There's a Dilbert video game? Uh, apparent, according to Wikipedia. Let's, Hold uh, the phone. I need to get this. my hands on this Dilbert video. It seems like it would lend itself to a, a video game. What do you do? You run around and collect TPS reports? Yeah. I'd buy okay. that. Yeah, all right. I'd, I'd still probably play it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Dilbert Simulator. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, Dilbert. you know, the reason the reason I like Dilbert, and I do, I like Dilbert, I'm actually a fan, is because I think you could relate it a lot to Family Circus in that it's taking a stereotype to an extreme. Yeah. And For it's sure. very focused on, on it. It's very one note in terms of the types of jokes it tells. What I like about Dilbert is it tells those jokes exceptionally well. And sometimes they're very pointed and sometimes they're very exaggerated. Either way, I work in an office. It's not the most corporate, boring office ever, but uh, I I do believe, and even before I worked in an office, I just felt that the, the, the jokes Dilbert told really did speak to a specific audience and really nailed that audience. I feel like it really nailed what office workers fell and told the stories. And there's a reason why Dilbert's posted in every cubicle across America. Um, I just thought it's a simple comic, but I just think it's, it's exceptionally well-written. I think it's very funny. And I'm just a fan in general, um, of, uh, of Dilbert. I don't know, Matt, what, what your thoughts are. Mm. See, when I was reading comics growing up on Sundays, I think that I usually skipped the Dilbert. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I haven't. I've, I now as an as an adult, I've read Dilbert, um, and I understand it better. And I think that's that's the the problem with with Dilbert is it a lot. Some of the some of the comics. It, it, this is what it really depends on. Like some of the comics were very universal and like and uh, like funny and relatable at the mm-hmm. same time. Some of them were very niche, though. Yeah. Some of them were like. You have to work in an office to get mm-hmm. this joke, or you have to be like a white collar guy to yeah. get the joke. And um, but some and some of them were like, yeah, like technical in that regard. Not all of them. I think for the majority, even even on those technical ones, for the majority, they were they were they were like grin worthy, chuckle worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty good. Uh, a Dilbert as a character is a very it's a very interesting concept because. He's like he is the everyman. Mm-hmm. Like there are some some uh, some depictions across all media of an of like what the everyman is. But Dilbert is he's he's the the absolute pinpointed definition of average in every single way. He's that typical uh, white male demographic, uh, corporate mid thirties. Like that's just his. Uh, that's just his thing, and you don't really see a lot of reflection of his personality outside of work. Mm-hmm. He's a workaholic, kind of. Not really. I guess he's just a he's a working guy. He's not. He doesn't work too hard. He doesn't work too little. Well, and he doesn't. He doesn't. It's not that he doesn't want to work. It's just he wants to do a good job, and no one around him will let him. Which I think <laughs> is a very relate. It's a very relatable struggle. Like we all want to do yeah. good in our jobs. It's really a lot of yeah. other things that impact 
there how are a that's lot of done. factors. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like you said, I, I do agree that sometimes Dilbert can get a little too too smart for its own good and too specific for its own good. And I think I think that speaks to Scott Adams. If you've ever heard him speak or read any of the things he's written outside of Dilbert, he's an incredibly smart guy. Not that I'm saying most comic strip authors are dumb, but I think he is exceptionally smart for what he does. And, and I think that sometimes comes across in some of the more out there strips he writes. Um but the the uh, oh crap I forgot what my other I had another really good point and now I can't remember what it was oh so the other point I was going to say is you know it's interesting that Dilbert launched in 1989 which I think if Dilbert had come out in the 60s or the 70s like a lot of the comics we're going to talk about I feel it like it would have never worked right this yeah. was a comic for its era this is a comic in in the 90s the rise of the tech mm. company and the the corporate the Reagan office, presidency, the, the, the yeah, the Reagan leading into Clinton and mm-hmm. the, the boom in the economy, dot com boom, yeah, and, and then the eventual collapse of that and the the sort of building up, but then breaking down of the corporate worker. Um, I mean, this was a comic really of its time, and I think it's still relevant somewhat today. But I think at the time at which it launched, it is such a, a perfect encapsulation of what was going on and and how people were feeling, and I think that's rare in comics i think there's only a few that have done it you look at some of these comics without their prem with with sort of thing maybe compared to like a beetle bailey right where where you you know where dilbert's in an office they're in the army right and that's their thing and they make jokes about being in the army and but their jokes are very surface level and and i don't think they really speak to you know not like mash or something where it really speaks to being what it's like to be in the military i feel like dilbert is not only funny but actually says something, and actually there, there's something underneath it. It's not yeah. just a funny strip in a paper. It's a feeling and emotion and represents what people actually think. Yeah, Dilbert, Dilbert's definitely one of those, you don't, you don't expect it at first, but it's one of those ones that you could have a really in-depth conversation with about just one panel mm-hmm. or uh, you know just one strip. You can really get into the, the, the deep-seated philosophy behind it. And a lot of a lot of comics you can some comics you can do it with, uh, but a lot of others you can't. Like a lot of others, it's just you get what you get. Like you said with Beetle Bailey mm-hmm. um, and other other comics out there. But no, Dilbert's one of those ones where you could have a really good, informed conversation about quality of work, work environment, um, life in general. Mm-hmm. Really, our, inter- our interactions with each other as human beings. Like yeah. There's a lot of uh, existentialist thoughts in uh, in Dilbert. Yeah, yeah, and I would definitely recommend if you've never seen the the uh, animated series they did back in '99. Uh, it ran for two seasons, Golden Globe winning show. Um, it's actually surprisingly good for a TV show adapted from a comic strip. Um, hmm. And I would be interested to, I'd I'd encourage people to see it because I think it does speak to the fact that this isn't just like you know set up punchline joke, you know, set up punchline joke, and they just hit you with jokes every week. It's not really about that. It's about creating something bigger. Um, hmm. So, cool. That is... Uh, yeah, Dilbert's pretty cool. Dilbert's pretty cool. I rep, I rep for Dilbert. Still want to check out that video game. Check out yeah, Dilbert that's the video about. game. It reminds me, what is the Stanley Parable? Have you ever played the Stanley Parable? No. If you have a chance, that look, a video look that up, and I feel like if, if that were branded Dilbert, I feel like it would be spot on. Uh, Matt, do you have a, uh, a strip you, another strip you'd like to discuss? 
All right. So, I mean, we just mentioned it uh, in the in the previous conversation. Uh, you want to talk about Beetle Bailey, or we we kind of already said no, pretty much everything. We can talk about Beetle Bailey because Beetle Bailey to me is actually an interesting story. Uh, I don't okay. know if, if you're familiar with the origins of Beetle Bailey. No, I I am not familiar. Please reveal them to me. So Beetle Bailey began in uh, in 1950. Believe it or not, it's it's uh, is among the oldest comic strips still being produced by their original creator. Um, but Beetle originally was a college student uh, at a university, and it was modeled after the creator's fraternity brothers. Um, and it was never supposed to be about the military. Hmm. And in the the first year that the comic ran, it was um, it, it wasn't really catching on with with readers. People people. It was kind of flat, and so they enlisted him. Believe it or not, uh, and they drafted him into the army. And and Beetle was, Bailey was he enlisted in a comic? Like, is there a comic strip where he is the, drafted, the, or the, either or signs up for the military? Uh, that's a good question. He says, "You know what? Like, I'm I'm sick of all this academic crap. I'm uh I'm gonna pick up my rifle, head off to boot camp." There's no. Is there a comic book, a uh, comic strip that says that? I couldn't tell you. Huh. I couldn't. Or, or is it or is it just like a seamless thing where they were like one one minute he's in the fraternity next and they season. They just never off. explain it. Okay. Well, I, I can understand. I can totally understand why it, it fell on on deaf ears. If it was published in the 1950s and it's about a fraternity, that's a it's an extremely limited audience yep. at, in that at that point and in time. And I think military humor had a had a pretty potential audience there yeah right you had the korean war i mean when it was published you said it was in what 55 you said uh so it's it, in 58 50, 51 was the year they first enlisted 51 the yeah all right yeah so that was that was the uh the height of the korean war so yeah yeah that, and it definitely has a place because it was still the um it was still the time when when uh publications were like trying to appeal to people to join the military, to uh, you know, become active mm-hmm. uh, in uh, campaigning for the military. It was still like a very pro-military environment. You didn't hit the Vietnam era where it became, you know, there was a huge backlash, especially from the academic world about war and and that kind of thing. Um, so that's really another comic I think that was actually sort of not right for its time and then it it, it adjusted itself to be which right which is for rare the time. it's very rare that 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 happens yeah right it 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 sort of like just it just shifted at the right moment and caught on so um now i'm curious during the 60s and 70s what um what was the uh nature of the like I know Beetle Bailey rarely ever gets political. Mm-hmm. It's another one that doesn't really, you know, involve itself with politics. Just more like military, typical military life. But I wonder if they was there anything about mentioning like the Vietnam War in not, Beetle Bailey? Not according to the Wikipedia page. Uh, you know, there are. I'm sure they kind of just stayed true to themselves. Yeah, I'm sure there's whole things about uh, the history of, of Beetle Bailey that I'm just not familiar with. But um, mm. as far as I can tell, no, it's pretty much been been the same all these years. I, again, kind of like um, kind of like some of these comics that that have a premise and they just you know like uh, Family Circle where it's just Family Circus. I always call it Family Circle. It actually started by the way as Family Circle and became Family Circus later. Um, mm. But um, 
where it's kind of premise, and then we just make jokes about the premise, regardless of what's going on outside the comic. Um, I don't know, and that was one of the reasons, to be honest, I I I found Beetle Bailey funny on on a v- extremely light level. Um, I, I, it was never one I looked forward to reading. I would just glance over and move on, um, simply because the 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 premise was okay, but it, it just seemed like a comic that was always stuck in that fifties sixties mindset, with kind of like Family Circle, where uh, where the the premise has just been explored to death, and the jokes are just inconsequential and don't really mean anything. You yeah, know? it's 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 hard to it's hard to stay active for for that many years and not repeat yourself or right. recycle. Old themes. It's very much those like yikes type jokes where it's yeah. you know a character falls off a cliff at the end and you 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 chuckle because the other character got the better of them. It, it, yeah, it, it was all very one dimensional. It's very light. It's very light, and that's light, fine. Light stuff. And but yeah, no, the origins is interesting. Uh, I would like to see what what bothers me about this is like I compare it to like a mash, which is a you know that sort of army humor which was done so well on that show. I think that is like a comic strip where you used as a platform to tell jokes, but also to say smart things about the state of our military culture could be really interesting. Beetle Bailey is by no means that, that strip. It's yeah. just not. Um, and it had, it had a platform. It did. And it it's, had a platform. it still does. And but, it, you know, it, yeah. It never really, even, even when talking about like regular military things, it, it could have been anywhere. Like it wasn't. It wasn't so specific. Like it could. Have, they they could have been still in a fraternity, and the, the comic really wouldn't have changed all that yeah. much. And maybe you know, like, maybe oh. that's why the humor's like that. I mean, if you can just take a bunch of comic characters and just upend them and move them, what does that really say about you know? If you, if you took Dilbert and put him in, you know, in a battlefield, in a battlefield that you couldn't do that. It wouldn't make any sense. Oh, it'd be. Absurd. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That says a lot about Dilbert that he's an established character with an established universe. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't think Be- I mean, how Beetle Bailey is stationed at Camp Swampy and his sergeant is Sergeant Snorkel. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, at this I, point, like, who are you writing for? It's like, a, it's a gag comic strip, is what it is. Yeah. It's not about jokes; it's about gags and whatever. There's a place for that. I'll scan through it, but by no means would I consider it a a, yeah. a classic or great. It's yeah, just, it was really never. Never really one of my favorites. It, it's a it's more for chuckles than it is for anything else. Although yeah. it is amazing that the same guy, Mort Walker, is writing the scripts today. It's who the started same guy? It in nineteen fifty? That's pretty remarkable. Isn't that remarkable? Maybe that's why yeah. it's the same stuff. Yeah, it's I the mean same probably guy. He, he's yeah. He's probably just writing about things he knows. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I I think the next comic we talk about should be. A good one because I think the ones we've talked about, I mean, with the exception of Delbert, well, we've kind of I altered. Think. We did Family Circle, but then Family did... Circle and Family Circus and uh, uh, and Beetle and Bailey, Dil- not so great. Delbert and what what good similar. one are we going to talk about? Let's talk about let's talk about the classic, the king, the almost undisputed champion of the comic strip world universe planet. Let's talk about my boy Garfield. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get it. Let's talk about that although, orange although cat. I have a feeling that people may disagree with you using champion com- of the comic universe. Yeah, because I, I think I could make an argument for other Charlie comics. Brown. 
Uh, yeah, the the peanuts I think might uh, yeah. might peanuts supersede are up that. there. For my money, I, Garfield is unequivocally up there. Um, and if if an alien came to Earth and asked me to present an example of a comic strip to them, having they have never seen a comic strip before, I would probably show them Garfield. Yeah, because it is the, I think they the would get quintessential it. comic strip. Maybe not yeah. the best or the funniest. But I think it, 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 it does such a great job of encapsulating what is a comic strip. How do you tell jokes across several panels? How do you establish characters with, with sort of set personalities who play off one another? Um, yeah. They even had some recurring storylines. And they have recurring storylines. And, and it's something, hell, we all know what it is um, even today. So uh, I think that's interesting. So, of course, Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield... Uh, started it in 1978. Today, it's syndicated in roughly 2,500 newspapers and journals, and at one point held the Guinness World Record for being the most widely syndicated comic strip, though it doesn't hold that anymore. Uh, fun fact, Garfield is set in Muncie, Indiana, home of Jim Davis. Oh. Um, okay. Garfield has spawned merchandise earning uh, nearly a billion dollars annually, uh, including uh, several full-length theatrical live-action CGI uh, film releases uh, as well. Wow. Yes. So, of course, the, the notable character of uh, Garfield and, of course, uh, John Arbuckle and Odie. Um, a little history for you. Let's see. Uh, Garfield originally consisted of four characters, of course. Garfield, um, James A. Garfield Davis, who was a large, cantankerous man. Um, uh, and John Arbuckle, who became John Arbuckle. And, of course, Odie as well. Um. Yeah, there, there's a whole history to Garfield, which I'm not was not super familiar with because apparently things have changed. Uh, wow. But I'll show you. Actually, there's this really great thing on Wikipedia. I'll put on the screen how the comic has changed over the years, um, <laughs> and, and how the look has changed of the characters. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, seems like uh, John's head has gotten a lot less round. Or maybe his hair got longer. I think his face got bigger. His face got bigger. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that now. His head kind of remained the same size. And, and the, I think the biggest difference to Garfield is he's, like, evolved to walk on two legs. Like, he's much more yeah. cat-like in the in the old version. Mm. Um, and now he's a little more, more cartoony. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it is, uh, it is interesting. Certainly. I, I just... You know, again, I don't. Yeah, Garfield it, it, again is not smart humor. It's not political humor. It's just approachable humor. And yeah. the other thing too about Garfield that I think doesn't maybe Peanuts isn't the only good example that I can think of of this, where it's been around for a long time and there are tons of strips. But we all remember it for the few things of it that became popular, and we don't remember the day-to-day of it. At least I don't. Where, you know, the I hate Mondays, and I eat lasagna, <laughs> and John's an idiot, and, you know, I, I, I sometimes forget what the day-to-day comic was like, which I would say was two things. One, it was very good, again, at that, that set-up punchline, hit, the, hit them with the joke at the end format. Yeah. But also, two... For my money, Garfield is a comic that has changed a lot over the years, more so than some of these other ones we've discussed. Not just in terms of art style, as we saw, 
but in terms of the 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 um the feeling of the humor the the type of humor not even necessarily the joke structure but just sort of the 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 humor where it was a little more lighthearted and then it became a little more cynical as time went on and um I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a it's a comic that's truly evolved over time, uh, like you said, and also uh, it's a, it's a comic strip of perspective. Um, you're always seeing things. You it does a really great job of letting you see different situations from different characters' viewpoints. I guess the the essential uh, Garfield's. It's it's always something that it, it it'll show you Garfield's point of view. It'll show you. John's point of view and in, in an equal way that's that's really cool and uh you can you know you can kind of side with John or you can side with Garfield about um any any situation that they that happens to go on in the in the strip mm-hmm. um and in that case uh it, it's kind of like where Dilbert we said was the ultimate everyman uh and everybody around him is kind of just crazy uh, I think that um in this in this instance with Garfield you can make an argument for each one of them Garfield John or Odie for being the everyman mm-hmm. like which one of them is really the ever- like they kind of all are that's kind of the answer and yeah. uh but at the same time it's it's also they 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 could they contrast each other in many different ways while also complementing each other um so that's that's the the uh that's what the the interesting thing about Garfield I always found. Another interesting thing, and um, we talked about this before the show, um, is the the uh, Garfield minus Garfield web generator. Mm, yes, um, that's where I got the idea for uh, like just seeing things from a different perspective in terms of Garfield. It's a uh, the Garfield for those of you who don't know out there the Garfield minus Garfield web generator. Uh, will generate random comics of um, you know of of the Garfield comic strip, uh, and it just but without Garfield in it. Simple as that. They just take Garfield out. They take out the things that he says. So most of the time, it's just it's just John looking extremely, extremely depressed. He he essentially <laughs> and, is and like insane. a crazy person. He's pretty much like a like a manic crazy person because he <laughs> he kind of just appears and. Uh, and reacts to things that aren't re- there. Yeah, he's reacting to an invisible Garfield. <laughs> it's pretty thought provoking. Yeah, and it really, it really does help you see the comic in a completely different way. It really does. <laughs> it really does. I'd almost honestly, I'd like to see Garfield minus everyone else and see what Garfield does by himself. Because you don't really, when you read it, you don't see the characters as individuals. You sort of see the the thing as a collective. Them reacting. The whole the whole comic is is just them reacting against each other. Well, that's exactly more than against situations. Yeah, and that's and that's to be honest, it's a very simple art style. I mean, it's yes. usually just them talking to one another. It's a very conversational type of humor. Um, yeah, Garfield Myers Garfield is pretty great. I'd recommend subscribing. Um, yeah, you know, I think what? that's a. A big credit to its success is that it takes such a very simple concept and and really stretches it and uh, pulls a lot of punches. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, Garfield works in the same way Caddyshack or The Odd Couple works, where you just have these goofball characters who play off one another so well. And these are characters you really know and understand, and you know 
what Garfield's about and you know what John's about and you know what Odie's about and, and, and some of the ancillary characters. But I just think I just think what is so timeless about it is it's it's like the stand up comedy of comic strips where you're 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 sort of just presenting this humor without sets and without plot and without scenery and without you know, flashy yikes things like you get in Beetle Bailey where they're, you know, scrambling off cliffs and holding onto tree branches while they fall kind of stuff. It's just like, it. I swear, you could probably take Garfield jokes and put them out as tweets and they'd still be funny because it's just, it's just written funny. Yeah, it's not about the art. It's not about the comic. A lot of wit, a lot of uh, observational humor. It, it, it it's really a lot is. like the sign. It's like the Seinfeld of uh, of comic strips. I think strips that is a, a lot very. It is a comic strip about nothing. I think that is yes. a very good way to put it. Um, and I I think that lends a bit to a success because it's very approachable in that respect, where you you get the characters right away. Dilbert, it takes you a while to really figure out what's going on. I will admit, you really have to know the comic and know the characters. Otherwise, it can be a little off putting. Garfield. Boom! You get it. Fat lazy cat loves lasagna. John's uptight. <laughs> loves Mondays. everything. He, yeah, I mean, you, you. It's very instinctual, and I think that's why you can make so many movies and TV shows and and all this stuff about it because it, it's a very universal concept. Mm-hmm. I always wondered why it was Garfield that hated Mondays. I felt I always felt like John should be the one hating Mondays because he's the one that has a job and has to get up on Mondays and go to work, but. On all the T-shirts and coffee mugs, it's Garfield saying, "I hate Mondays." I don't know, uh, but the the mo- I think perhaps the most the most interesting conversation um, that I've had about Garfield entailed the uh, looking at Garfield from the the view of a of a psychologist mm-hmm. and seeing how each one of them represents the um, the three levels of consciousness in, mm-hmm. in Freudian psychology. So you have the id, you have the ego, and you have the superego. And um, I forget which I forget which one does which thing. But like Odie is the most primal one, so he's like the whichever one is the most primal of all three. I think it's the id is the one that's like your base level. Like I need to eat, mm-hmm. I need to sleep, I need to do what I have to do, like, that thing. And then, then like, John is a level below that, and, like, Garfield is, like, really cunning, so he's, like, the, I guess it's the super ego, or mm-hmm. whichever one is, like, the one that's, like, more, like, evolved intelligence. So, yeah, that, that that's interesting, is looking at it from that that yeah. point of view. And I know a lot, that that, uh, that little um, comparison thing, it's a, that's, it gets thrown around a lot in literature about uh, Freudian psychology and stuff. But yeah, Garfield. Another really cool thing about Garfield, um, they published a. I'm not sure if it was officially published or if it was like some guy online published a cartoon strip. It was a, I think, a three strip series, and it was Garfield. It was like Garfield was trapped in the house with nobody there. And and then it turned out like he he had dreamt up John. Oh, I and vaguely Odie. remember that. Yeah, I and like mean... it, like he was actually just an abandoned cat living in an abandoned house, and then he realized like he was slowly starving to death and starting to go insane, and that's why he imagined up 
uh, he imagined up this uh, <laughs> this world. Yeah, that was a pretty creepy one. I, I, I remember that being very unsettling. That comic strip. I don't yeah. think it was official. I think it was like some fan made it, but it was like really unsettling. Um. Oh, you know what? Actually, it is an official comic strip. Believe it or uh. not, one week before Halloween, nineteen eighty nine. It depicts Garfield awakening in a future in which the house is abandoned and he no longer exists. It's not meant to be humorous. Right. I remember that 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 was the stark difference is that it was not Jim Davis not a funny Garfield. It was a really creepy Garfield. Jim Davis said, quote, During a writing session for Halloween, I got the idea for this decidedly different series of strips. I wanted to scare people, and what do people fear most while being alone? We carried out the concept to its logical conclusion and got a lot of responses from the readers. Reaction ranged from right on to, this isn't a trend, is it? <laughs> Very interesting. And I think they resolved it in the end with it being like a dream. Like Garfield ate some bad lasagna and mm-hmm. then dreamt up this whole scenario. And he was like, oh, I'm so I'm so glad that I'm back with John and Odie. And like he was more appreciative of them and all that. Um, so it had a happy ending. But it was, for for the time, it was... It was very, very unsettling to read. Absolutely. But, yeah, I yeah. am. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people give Garfield crap for being crap or being, you know, cheap humor or being light or whatever. But I, I, I rep for Garfield. You know, I, I do think it's funny. I think some of the ancillary stuff isn't very funny, like some of the movies and some of the television shows. I don't think all of that. You know, we're not really we're focused on the comic here, and I, I think. No comic is funny every single week, but I think the body of work behind Garfield really, to me, stands the test of time. is very universal and is funny. Um, and and I'll you know we'll leave Garfield with with one fun fact. Do you know why Liz, uh, Garfield likes lasagna? Was it the the creator's favorite food? No, nope. no. It wasn't uh, Jim Davis's favorite food. Well, I, it might be. That's not the reason Wikipedia. <laughs> why? Why does he like lasagna? I, I he knew how to draw lasagna. I'm learning so much about yeah. the comic strips. Uh, Garfield was born in the kitchen of an Italian restaurant oh, and immediately okay. ate all the pasta and lasagna in sight, thus developing his love and obsession for lasagna and pizza. Very good. Yeah, he does like pizza, too. That's another... All uh, Italian things. Another cat that he likes. Another cat food that he enjoys. All right. Yeah. Cool. How about that? I'm, I'm all about the Garfield. Garfield also had a video game. Several video games. Really? Yeah, let's see what's. The I believe that. Recent. I believe that more than I believe the Dilbert. Yeah, there's there's uh, Garfield, big fat hairy deal. There's Garfield caught in the act. There's Garfield's nightmare. Garfield labyrinth. Um, on PlayStation Two, there was Garfield and Garfield Two. There was the Garfield Lasagna World Tour. Wow. And mobile games including Garfield's Diner and Garfield's Zombie Defense. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Um, All right, Matt. We're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. Wow! I know. What a show. I know. It, I honestly, I love when we have these. We'll have to do this again. Really sometime. intense discussions. Yeah. That's why I like about the shows. We do a lot of different formats, and sometimes we do the rapid fire where we're just hitting stuff quick. But this was sort of a real, real sort of intellectual sort of thought, and I think we we really pointed out some interesting things about some comic strips. Were there any strips you wanted to talk about? We didn't get to. I should, uh, I should offer to suggest because there were a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, peanuts would have been great, yeah. but there's there's way too much to unpack there. Yeah, for we could probably do a, a whole show <laughs> on that. Uh, 
and that was really it. I think it was just peanuts, zits, maybe. Yeah, zits. Had, had some potential. Zits. That is that is a pretty interesting. Back I used story. to read Hagar the Horrible a lot. Hagar was, the Horrible, I read. That was yeah, a that was good, a good one. for better or worse. Curtis was all right. High and High and Lois. There's uh, yeah. the Blondie. Blondie was good. There's the uh, what else? I mean, there there are just so many. Kathy wasn't there a Kathy, Kathy one called Kathy? Kathy yeah. and Ziggy, which I don't know. Ziggy is another single panel, but I think it counts. There's uh, Marmaduke. There's Marmaduke. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Doonesbury. There's Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. There, there's yes. a, there's a bit of an obscure one that I'm like a super fan of, which is Foxtrot. I don't know if you've ever read Foxtrot. Um, no, it, I, I thought you were going to say a different obscure one that oh, I'm a fan of. We'll go it was ahead. almost the same one. Which one? Is Slylock, Slylock Fox. I, I do remember that. Do you remember that bit. one? Yes. That was my favorite, all-time wow. favorite growing up. Yes, wow. I used to love them. Now, I, I just recently actually went back and looked at some of the, because it, it was basically a puzzle for those in the audience mm-hmm. who don't know. Well, like, it was more for kids. It was for kids, yeah, yeah, and it really was for kids because I, I went back recently and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's so easy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I thought it would still be because it was super challenging when yeah. I was like six, but and now you have a college degree and it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, and to be honest, these days I actually read a ton of web comics. I'm actually a yeah. a big fan. There's so much good stuff. I would love. I don't know about next time, but I would love at some point to do an episode on web comics. Um, that would be yeah. Only because they're... Be, I'd be up for that. Web some comics that are pretty good. I look forward to every single day that are just so funny um, mm. that I enjoy a lot. But, Matt, no more talking about comics. We've got to get to our questions, and we've got to yeah. start with last week's question. Now, if you remember last week, we did our Red, White, and Blue episode, and we talked about all sorts of things, Red, White, and Blue. Um, and you posed the question to the audience, if you were to add one color to the American flag, which would you add, and what would it symbolize? As you know, Red, White, and Blue have... Uh, symbolize different things. What color would you add, Matt? I'm going to have you go first. What color would you add to the American flag? Well, this is an easy one. So I would take my American flag and I would add the color green to it. Okay. Green, of course, having a dual symbolism. It would symbolize our enormous wealth as a nation and our currency, the greenback, and would also symbolize the environment and our uh, compelling duty as citizens of the world to take care of it and i would make that i would take that green and i would change the design of the flag by putting a big check mark right in the middle of big green check mark a big green check mark like okay america right in the middle of the flag because we are always correct and can do no wrong wow that is that is my solution that's bold that's bold wow Mine, well, I think mine's interesting. I don't know. I would add black, believe it or not. Okay. I, I would add the color black. Black symbolizing many things. One, uh, symbolizing the the pure strength of America. Um, no other color than black, I think, can really handle that. Black, of course, being the absence of color, I think represents the enormous... Uh, tragedies of, of the past, but that also America has been able to overcome. Black, representing uh, space, which has been conquered by America, by the way, um, and representing our space. uh, Black being, again, the absence of color represents our our unimaginable future, which which we boldly enter. And what would I do with the color? I would add a single black stripe at the bottom. In in the same way you you have your your bars, as they call it, 
yeah, a big black check mark would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, um, I like. I wouldn't like that. I would do my but one no, little stripe at the bottom, just as as a as a reminder of of the of the darkness of the past, but also the 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 empty void that is the the future successes of us as a nation. It would also represent the fourteenth colony, which is the moon. Absolutely, are you kidding me? Absolutely, America owns space, and we will not let. We should just put a big. Put a big picture of the moon. Space is ours. Space is ours. Man. We, Space we, we is just, ours. I think we just sorry uh, Russia took Pluto. Sorry China. I think we own Pluto now. Yeah. Um, it's ours. It is. Are you telling all that for it us. is ours? Um, all right. We have a new question this week about comic strips, and it goes like this: What are the best Good. and worst comic strip mashups you can think of? So when we say mashup, we want you to combine two comic strips together. In, in a great combination and in a really terrible combination. Do you think Spider-Man should visit Beetle Bailey? Do you think the family circus kids should uh, should should uh, really freak out Kathy? I don't know. That's for you to decide at home. We want to know your opinions, the good and the bad. Goldilocks Show on Twitter. Tweet at us. Uh, let us know your answer to this week's question. Of course, feedback on the show in general. What you like, what you don't like, why you're listening, why you're not listening. Uh, we want to hear it all, of course, uh, and I want to remind everybody, GoldilocksShow.com is the website, and SoundCloud.com slash GoldilocksShow is one of the best ways to subscribe and listen to the show uh, as well. And, of course, we're in all the popular spots you can get podcasts as well. Matt, anything else you'd like to leave the fans with before we conclude this evening? Um, uh, just keep enjoying those Sunday comics. You know? there's, the Sunday, there's always a place for them. I was told I am an 87-year-old man because I call it the Sunday Funnies. The Sunday funnies. There's, all, I think, there's always a place for that. It's a, uh, it's just a, a different place than the web comics. But both of them are good, and both of them deserve your own, uh, your own uh, willingness to check them out. I so, think that's uh, a good way to put it. That's it. That is it. Well, thanks all of you for joining us. Uh, I'm right. Sean. He's Matt. We'll be back next time with a new episode of the Goldilocks Zone. But until then, good night. <laughs>